Welcome to the Beyond the Easy podcast with your host, Natasha Stevens. When she isn't speaking herself, you'll hear from some of the globe's most unique and powerful people who have pushed past perceived limitations and are exceeding societal expectations. Our niche is simple, people. Our dynamic guests share their stories filled with content that synergistically bridges the divide between us and them. And we're inviting you in. We are a blended tribe. Thanks for tuning in and catching the subscribe vibe. Wow, wow, wow. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Easy. And today, launching on International Women's Day, we are joined with Mara Bloom. Mara Bloom is the founder and creative director of Blue Mara, which she founded with the intent of creating luxuriously exquisite, high vibratory, uplifting collections while utilizing unexpected natural sustainable materials such as recycled brass and upcycled wood. Mara is heavily influenced by her extensive travels from a young age that introduced her to a myriad of cultures and the beauty of the world, which she continually seeks to express in new and unimagined ways. She is also inspired by her late mother, world-renowned painter, Lori Bloom. And in the years since her mother's passing has reimagined her mother's paintings into new creations. Mara intimates that the relationship between her and her mother has found a new life and through it Mara has gained access to a divine realm of creation. We get to find out exactly what that means today. She has a great passion for keeping the ancient art of handcraft alive and always seeking to be in harmony with the earth. Blumera's collections are made to order and comprised of hand-carved wood, brass, hand-embroidered threads, and other unusual fusions of sustainable materials and designs. Well, she started her career as an actress with a BFA from Boston University, studying also at London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. She went on to appear in theater, movies, and television. Ever the creator, Mara explores the expression of characters, designs, collections, stories, and life itself as different vehicles in an effort to experience, discover, and manifest her inner world. Blue Mara has been featured extensively in publications including British Vogue, Vogue India, Women's Wear Daily, Forbes, Harper's Bazaar, L'Occitane, just to name a few. It's been seen on the red carpet in Hollywood, at Oscars, NAACP Image Awards, the Grammys, the Emmys, everything. And it's also been shown and held and owned in the hands of tastemakers globally. She is highly regarded, highly respected as one of the top designers of anything that you can imagine that I have shared with you 
in her introduction. And without further ado, it is my esteemed honor and privilege to bring on to the show today the creative director, the designer, the founder of Blumera, Mara Bloom, so that you can hear her in her own words and share the story with those you love. Thank you so much, Mara. Um, it is an honor to have you here with us and our listeners around the globe. Something that you know very well is traveling around the globe. Um, and you're, you're coming off of a very successful New York Fashion Week, but not without its challenges due to the pandemic. So before we really dive in, can you tell us how you've been able to pivot so seamlessly to an online showing of your pieces? Like, how did you manage that when a lot of your work is international? Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate You're that. Welcome. Um, so I just want to make sure <laughs> I want to make sure I understand the question. So you mean how when you launched your new campaign, the birds, um, when mm-hmm. you did the online showing of your new pieces, and you did the Instagram live. And usually when when you have models like that, and you're you're doing a lot of um, technical work with um nature and things like that you like to be there you like to be hands-on um and making sure that everything is flowing correctly and this year it was um debuted online and you were in the united states and i think part of that was filmed elsewhere correct yes now i understand your question yes it was actually filmed atop mount agung which is a volcano an active volcano in bali indonesia And I pre-recorded it before the New York Fashion Week, but you're right. I am really hands-on. I love to be, not only love, but I need to be wherever I'm creating. It's just, it's um, something that I I really love to do and it feeds me and I'm passionate about the co-creation process. But because of the pandemic and um, not being able to travel, I did it virtually and I did it over um, technology like you said I used WhatsApp and did the video with WhatsApp and photos and texting and basically had many many uh, sleepless nights because I had to be on the Indonesian time zone which is about 15 hours ahead of me here in LA and so I would you know start working with them late afternoon and then till the morning um, as we did prep and um and, and pre-production and then and really while we were shooting was the, the main issue for the time. But um, yeah, it, I'm quite pleased with how it came out. Uh, it was my first time really doing something like that from not, you know, not being there. So that was, it was quite wonderful to see it uh, manifest in such a way. It was, and there's no way I watched it and there's no way that you could tell that you weren't there. I think because your heart and your spirit were there, that you were there in, in essence. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. That. I really, I really do. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And wow. I'm just sitting there. You're you, welcome. It's, really it's true. I was watching the models. I was watching it, it, it. You know what it is? I think for me, um, knowing that you have a master's in fine arts um, with an acting background, 
there's um, a director in you and you could tell you, you absolutely could tell that um, you poured your heart into that. And so that's kind of where I want to go next is you have your master's in fine arts and theater. I have a, a, a BFA. I, I wish. I okay. Had, I well, from the, BFA. from the video, it looks like you have a doctorate. So, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how, how, what, what got you interested in acting? How did you take that leap from where you were born to Los Angeles? What was that like for you? Well, I, so I was born in Boston and I grew up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which you and I have in common. And, and then I, um, I, uh, let's see. So it's a very long story, but I was, yeah, I was an actress, like you said, and I was pretty tunnel vision on being an actress. That was what I wanted to do is what I saw myself doing. And, uh, it, I went away to a boarding school. Actually, I went to two boarding schools when I was very young. The second one being an an art school where I majored in acting. And then I went to BU's theater program and got my BFA in acting and spent time studying at at Lambda as part of that program as well in London. And, um, so, you know, I, I started acting right away out of school. I was very fortunate to, to book jobs in TV and film and theater and commercials and, even a soap opera, <laughs> kind of the whole gamut really yeah. quickly, which at the time when I was that young, I didn't realize how amazing that was. You know, you're so impatient when you're young and you just want more and more and more. But now in retrospect, it's like, wow, I really did a lot in a really short period of time. And um, yeah, well, that's the first part. I'll let you, I'll pause there. That's, that's kind of what my journey was. That's it. That's incredible, especially, you know, Boston, BU, and then um, growing up um, some in Myrtle Beach, um, South Carolina, which you're right, we have that in common. (laughs) Um, Very special place (laughs) indeed. But um, to hear that you had all of that under your belt before you even really started designing for Blumera, it's just, it's, it's really... um, fascinating because it's like it's like Mera's art so and your mother being a world-renowned artist um what age did you begin to notice an interest in design as a young girl or after acting or during acting being heavily influenced by your mom Lori like what what do can you remember even as a young child or in college or even in your acting career, something that um, kept drawing you to art. Uh, I know being surrounded by it with your mom, um, you were already heavily influenced, but was something pulling on you um, to go in the direction of artistic design? Um, Because I can't even imagine, right, what it's like to grow up with an artist like your mom? That's a good question. I, I remember, like you said, so I was definitely surrounded by art. It was a a very big part of my life. My mom was daily painting in her studio, which was at home in our house. Um, We had a little greenhouse where she would have, where she had all her plants and 
Um, and I would, that was also my little makeshift studio <laughs> and I had a little table there and I would love to make arts and crafts projects. And I, I, I really, um, was passionate about it as I was about acting and, and all of the arts, like, you know, I loved putting on plays and singing and dancing. And I also loved making things with my hands. I remember making little angels that I was really proud of and oh. birds out of clay and yeah, I really just, and I remember my mom's, um, what would I say? Like her joy in seeing my creations and how it gave me such confidence to, to have that from my mom in that way. And, um, when we went to India, we, my mom took me to India when I was seven, actually twice when I was seven, but the first time, the second time we went as a whole family, the first time it was just my mother and I. And it was a really magical, mystical experience. And we went to, there was a, a tailor that she had always gone to this, um, that she'd gone to for many years. And um, as a gift, Mara, who I was named after, said that she wanted to um, have some clothes made for us or, 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 or give us a gift of some sort. So she asked us to go buy fabric from her in the, in the, in the, what's called the bazaar, which is like the market, you know, in the local town there. And we went and we picked out all these, you know, these beautiful fabrics. And then we went to the tailor and I, you know, got to design dresses that were from Mara, but it was my first time really <sighs> designing. And it was so fun to tell the tailor, this is how I want it. And, you know, give all the instructions As a kid? for the design. and. Yeah, oh. I was seven. I knew I was a freshly fresh. So I was three, you know, we went to New when I was three, three days after I turned seven. So it was a real that. And then also I remember my mom loved um, having doll clothes made. For, she would either make the clothes like or we would go. I don't even remember who I feel like in the local mall there was must have been a tailor or something. And we would get doll clothes made. And I even remember getting Barbie clothes made. <laughs> I'm only laughing. <laughs> and because, I loved it. I mean, I yeah. Yeah, I'm only laughing, Mara, because I did the same thing. I mean, I didn't go to India, but I the whole did making you? of the Barbie clothes, yes. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I loved all the Barbie's outfits. And, <laughs> you know, that was so much fun dressing them up and cutting their hair, which was very sad. Oh, gosh, I did that, too. <laughs> I, cu- I literally, I cut their hair. I, you know, I thought it was people hair, you know. So, yeah, no. yeah. He told us that he cut it really short. He's going to stick out. And That's pretty back. funny. Um, that is a sweet story, too. And it shows just, I keep seeing just this fusion of, of everything. And you handcraft um, everything that you do with love and it shows. And with such extensive travels, now I'm finding out back to age seven to India and you've gone to so many exotic places. By the way, I totally love seeing you on a camel. <laughs> oh, God, that was quite an experience. That was, you know, it was actually kind of terrifying. That was we were in the um, Indian Rajasthani desert right on the border of Pakistan. And we were at the dunes in the pictures. You can't quite even like the videos. You can't really see how high they are. But when you're on a camel, which is already pretty high. And then on top of these dunes and the, the camels walk really close to the edge. And I was so sure that my camel who had the name Ritik Roshan, which is a Bollywood. I love it. <laughs> um, actor's name which is kind of funny but um 
I was so sure that, you know, he, just this one time with me, he would take one, you know, stumble or wrong step. And that would be how I so <laughs> left his body. I was like, I'm going to die on this camel. But we didn't. We didn't. We, we, he stayed. He stayed the course and we didn't fall. But it was really scary and hot. It was really hot. And um Anyway, yeah, but yeah, that, was that it's, yeah, it's nice it was memories. really, really yeah. cool because I think when when you go, you um like I you totally immerse yourself fully into the culture and just yes, soak yes. everything in. And I think that's and I could be wrong, so correct me. I think that's part of what fuels your energy and your passion by just fully being in that element right yeah I think yeah you're right there's a there's a real sense of like this magic like I love going somewhere and discovering it it's there's something and I've been that way since I was a little girl I remember one time saying to my dad that our house wasn't big enough because I'd already (laughs) gone to every room (laughs) (laughs) you know I really I loved discovering a new place and so that's still with me the idea of going somewhere discovering the land discovering the people their stories the culture the language the food the the beauty the the clothing everything the the artistry the the handcraft just if there's something so exhilarating to me about that and I think you're right. There is something then so magical about then creating something that hasn't been made before, something completely new, um, a beautiful new manifestation of what those what. I, so I, what I what I really love to do is find out what is the skill. What is the you know I don't want to reinvent the wheel. So what is the skill that this place offers and what is something that needs to be preserved because sadly it's a dying art a handcraft and many places really need not only need to preserve it but they it's a livelihood that's been passed on for generations and now a lot of the artisans don't have that the means to be able to do it anymore because they don't have the audience for it so I love the idea of preserving and also reinvigorating um marketplace in a sense or 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 um being able to give work to these people but then giving it a new twist so i'd love to give my own my own aesthetic my own vision my own essence of beauty to it and it's interesting what happens because the artisan normally will say to me no we can't do that that's not possible and it's because you know when you've been doing something a certain way for so long you don't want to like a certain type of design let's say you don't think you're capable of doing something outside of that, but I can be very <laughs> persistent. You know, right. Let's just try. Let's try. I, I know we can do it. I know we can figure it out. And we do. We figure it out and we make it happen. And it's so exciting. And the artisans are so excited about what they've created because it usually is beyond what they thought that they, that was, would be possible. And it's a really collaborative, um, wonderful creation of heart and spirit and passion and um yeah so that's really really fun as well that that 
that essence and magic of creation. Wow, incredible. I'm very visual. So as you were explaining that process, I could totally see you sitting there. And I was going to ask you, you know, but you just answered it by saying you're persistent. You know, <laughs> how you're, how are you able to engage um, local artisans to capture yeah. a vision for your collection? But you just, you just knocked that out of the park. Like, this is what I do. I do. Yeah, I, I, I am persistent. And I'm also... I'm so passionate. I think passion is contagious. And I think people want to be, you know, they, it's exciting to be part of something. And so when the vision is shared, I think, I think people get excited to, to be part of that, to be part of that creation. So even though it's hard, I think there's a willingness to try it and a willingness, um, and desire to to help in a way like I think they see that I'm so passionate about creating this that they do they don't want to let me down and there's just this beautiful um what would I say beautiful um willingness to to yeah and I think too that that's part of their gratitude because they see not only your passion, and I love what you just said, that passion is um, contagious. I do believe that too. Um, But I do think part of it too is, you know, you're providing income for them and an outlet also to preserve, you know, their ability to create um, what they're very, very good at. And I think that they approach your designs and you co-create together from a space of gratitude um, because there's really not anybody or that many people doing that in the way that you do it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's true. And there's a, there's a real um, openness too and a real heart connection. I, so I think it's, it's, you're right. Gratitude it is it's 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 the heart and it's that love and Mm -hmm. it's it's for making it for the sake of creating beauty and for the sake of creating something that's Mm -hmm. special and and that's what the intention is and I think connecting from that place of artistry and not necessarily commerce or you know other things that maybe other businesses approach design or 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 or, you know whatever what they're doing um it's there's a real pure intention and i think that that um essence and fragrance is is you you can't you can't argue with it you just want to be part of it you just because it's it is pure yeah and you just and you just flow it just it flows um i would say almost effortlessly and but I look at your pieces and I'm just like, I, I'm going to get to that in a minute, but I look at your pieces <laughs> and I'm on your website, I'm on your Instagram and I'm just like, how long does it take her to do that? I mean, first of all, this doesn't exist. Um, and as, as Mara said, you know, it sadly is a dying art, the handcrafting of pieces, but you have a total niche market and 
when I look at the wood collection, I mean, you work with with precious metals and and woods and textiles and all of that. But when I look at the carvings, I'm just sitting there like, okay, I have to ask her, like, how much do how much time does one bag take that's made out of wood, for example? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you're asking about the wood because when I was talking about this co-creation, I kept thinking about Pat Monku, which is my, he's my carver. And um, we have such a beautiful heart connection. And I, it's interesting, this question, because it, it's, an, it, how do I say it? So I'm going to answer your question, but I, it was coming up for me, this idea of, um, actually, I'll, I'll circle back to that. Let me answer your question first. So it takes a long time, but <laughs> <laughs> it's very, Simply, um, if there's a whole process, so it's not only the carving, but the carving itself takes a long time and each piece takes a different amount of time. So it could take a week, it could take several weeks, depending on um, which carve, and that's just for the carving. And so it depends on which bag it is, how much carving's on the bag and um, how big it is. Now, the other part of it is my carver, Patmanku, is a he's an artist, you know, he is, this is his, his craft and it's from mm. his heart. And so it can't be rushed. And so I can't, um, say to him, you got to crank this out. It has to be according to his heart and his mood and when he feels inspired. <laughs> and so it's interesting, you know, it, running a business is, this is what I was going to say, what I was kind of thinking about. It's an interesting, um, challenge of how to, you know, there it's, I, I'm really grateful to my customers who order bags and, you know, some I have stock and some I mostly, I like to make to order. And I love this idea that the bag is made for you. You order a bag and we say, okay, Natasha, we're going to make it for you. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> please allow X amount of time. And it may take longer because it is, you know, being made in this, in this way where it's not dictated by some sort of, um, clock it's it's dictated by the the passion and the heart that goes into it but beyond the carving then there's a really lengthy process so i i select the wood i take pieces of wood from um from other like leftover pieces so that we don't waste anything so and they're, they're all beautiful cuts and they're all beautiful woods and um mainly using soir and sono keeling mm. And so we, we pick the cuts of the wood and then we um, have to shape the wood. So each one is hand, you know, is hand cut to, to the shape that it needs to be, but it can't be fully made because the carving has to be done. So we can only have it in pieces, meaning like the, the top piece or the bottom piece, not, not put together yet or it'll crack when we carve it. So we have to have it in like certain pieces. Then we give those pieces to Patmanku to carve. So Katut is the one who does the first cutting. Then Patmanku carves it. And then we go to another Katut who has a kiln where we dry it. And the reason we, I'm so sorry, there's a sign oh, in the background. Okay. I, I mean, it's... no, this is, this is totally <laughs> casual in the sense that I have someone from Redondo Beach and we started and um, he, he was telling me about hypnotherapy and being a light worker and a coach. And the next thing you know, it was like a full on sirens and you, we, we just went uh, with well, it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm quite far actually from, I think where it even is, but it really carries. But anyway, um, 
so it goes to the um to Pamanku, then it goes to um, another katut who dries the wood and the reason we dry it is because when the wood leaves indonesia and it comes to the u.s or london or wherever it's going the temperature is going to be different the climate's going to be different and we don't want the wood to crack or warp so we dry it out but what happens in the drying process is it starts to warp a bit because we've now dried it so the, the shape will change so it actually has to be reshaped again by our other katut in bali that people share names that's a whole other story but there's another katut and he does the shaping again and then it goes to indra who does our lining and our hinge and magnets and he also has to reshape it and do certain oh things my a lot goodness. of work and then we do the finishing we do the the you know if it requires wax or whatever finishing it requires in order to preserve the the color and to give it moisture and conditioning and then Noor, who runs everything for me, she's my superstar there and, and oversees everything. Then she does the final checking and she's also checking all along the whole process. And then, um, yeah, and then it's finally finished. That's so quite a, a laborious process to say the least, but it's all done through um, these, you know, many, many hands and hearts are touch it along the way that is the most incredible story I've ever heard um (laughs) it it really no it really is that is a very long process and we live in such um a microwave society that we just want everything fast, you know? So say Mahara tomorrow, you decided I'm going to make t-shirts. Well, you just go to custom ink or you go to Printful and you just start pumping out these t-shirts, but then where's the heart? Where's the love? Where's the passion? Where's the beauty? Where's the joy in the creation of something special just for you? And, and when she says that, I want to tell the listeners um, as you look at her pieces, which will be um, displayed with the podcast, I want you to really go back and listen to what she's saying. Um, you know, I know a lot of people appreciate fine art and they appreciate um, eclectic art and, and all of that. But I, I need you to go back and I need you to look at her pieces and then listen to her describe what she just said. And then on top of that, she only makes a certain number of, let's say, one collection. And and one collection may have, um, if it's brass and metals, it may have 10 pieces, maybe. Um, It just depends. Because as you heard, that's a lot of work. And and that's a lot of heart. And that's a lot of dedication. And that speaks to you as as a woman, um, too, Mara, you're very um, passionate, you're very emboldened (laughs) by what you do, and um, your tenacity of of never giving up, and but yet being so kind, and so loving and caring towards those artisans, um, and then towards your customers. Um, It's to me, um, Blumera represents just completely love and bloom. That's, that's what it, that's what it represents to me. And, um, you know, I, (laughs) for years, I I can't even, if this is 20, oh gosh, let's see. So I've been eyeing um, her beautiful creations since I saw a bag at a golf tournament. Um, I was working the tournament as a volunteer 
and this beautiful bag. And now I know I didn't know then um, was from the Nadine collection. And it was sitting there with other auction items. And while the other auction items were really great, it's that bag just leapt out at me. And I just walked over to, (laughs) I know this is going to sound really crazy, but I just walked over to it in the middle of like people trying to bid and I just held it. (laughs) And I said, there's something about this bag. And I said, how, how come, where's this person from? Why have I never heard of this bag? Um, And I, I just kept staring at it and it was so funny because I, I kept getting outbid and so I was like, wait. <laughs> and, and so I remember running back into the clubhouse and I was like, that's it. I don't care. I'm not going to pay any bills. I'm going to get this bag. And so oh, wow. I ran in and I kid you not, I was getting ready to write. I was the last person to write my name on the line. And this lady just comes up and like bombards me and just grabs it. And I was like, oh my God. I was just like, okay, <laughs> you know, and because I hadn't been back there in so long, I was just like, okay, I'm not going to cause a fuss here. But I say that to say that was like 2013, 2014. And since hmm. that time, I kept telling myself one day you're going to afford and buy without an auction, um, a blue mirror piece. And I've always kept that before me. I never told anybody. And, you know, we have all the, you know, the Gucci, the Louis Vuitton or whatever, but that's just so trendy. And so I just kept saying, I need this. I need this. I need this. And to hear the backstory now makes me understand why I needed it. So I I do have um, three or four Five? I don't know. <laughs> I've like five different um, Blue Mara items and I've gifted um, three. So they are beautiful and they're made with nice. love and you can feel the love. And sometimes when I, I don't feel my best self, um, I'll, I'll keep my love necklace on. Um, mm. I rarely take it off. Um, and um, then other times I will be writing somewhere with a journal and instead of taking like my normal wallet, I'll take my Nadine wallet and I'll just hold it. Wow. Yeah. I'll just hold it. And, um, it's just something that's very magical about it. Um, and so now I understand why it's magical, um, how far it goes back and the love of the person that, that made it and, and the whole team. So now that I've told everybody this story about (laughs) the lady bum rushing me to get your bag, um, how can stores and boutiques carry your pieces? So I have a sales team that oversees that. And so they, um, so it just depends We're we're, um, only carried in a select number of stores um, that align with our vision right and so um yeah i have a you can they can contact us through the website or you know the showroom directly either way beautiful and your showroom's on melrose right 
It's actually on Beverly. It's on Beverly? That was the store. Yeah, okay. the store was on Melrose. I don't have that now, but um, we are it, now the pandemic has shifted things, but I, I do have hopes to open another or others yes I was <laughs> in other places yeah, yeah I was just gonna say have you ever have you ever premiered your pieces at Art Basel in Miami you know I personally wasn't there but I did have um a different sheriff in New York who who did premiere them there I was not there so I would love to go there one day with them personally yes please do please come please come so (laughs) please come um so now I've seen you in tons of magazines and and fashion weeks and I am a grateful owner of your pieces um and there is a spirituality and I know people are going to think what are they talking about but there is a spirituality that's connected um to the pieces um that you make and um, it's tied in with your name. So people look at it and they go, oh, Mara Bloom. And then they go, oh, Blue Mara. So how did, you, mm-hmm. how did you get your name and how does that all tie into the beauty of everything Blue Mara? Well, do you mean how did I get my name Mara? Yes. So my name Mara, and I touched on it a little in the beginning when I was talking about the designs and the dresses in India. Mm-hmm. But Mara um, is no longer, so I was named after an incredible, I will say goddess, I will say the goddess (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) Uh, Mara Irani, and Mara was Indian. She passed away in 1989, but I had the good fortune of meeting her before she passed and spending a, a really incredible month with her, actually, before she passed when I was seven. That was that first trip to India. Mm Um, but my mom was very close with Mara and loved Mara very dearly. And Mara loved my mom very dearly. And when my mom, uh, before my mom was even pregnant with me, she was, um, wanting a girl, but, you know, uh, um, so I'm just trying to think of how to, it's a long story. So I'm trying to think of a more succinct way to tell the story. She was, she had had a, she had my brother and um, there were certain things that she worried about if she were to have another boy like she didn't I'll just say it because it's part of the story yeah <laughs> she was she didn't she she didn't like that she had to um, do circumcision had a circumcision for him right because she, my mother was very very sensitive and very um, holistic and very yes. kind of in an, in an ethereal blissful state in many she was very innocent like she had a very um she had many facets to her she had a she had a, a very an incredible strength and wisdom and then this like in childlike innocence all in one mm-hmm. and she really didn't want to have to do this ritual right and because of you know familial pressure she she had to do it and she really felt that she saw the bliss that my brother experienced she saw that kind of yeah she felt like she saw it go after she had to do this and or have this done so she was really quite um you know she wanted to have another baby but she was very um uh stressed about this idea of having to do that again and so 
she shared the story and the next day Mara came looking for her and, and, and called out to her and my mom came over to her and Mara said, you know, I was thinking, well, what if, what if instead of having another boy, what if you had a little girl? And my mom said, you know, I'd love to have a girl, but you know, I just, she wanted to be able to make sure she could give the girl confidence and, um, and she, she was concerned because she felt, you know, the girls, there were, there's so many, there's such complexity to girls and, you know, wanting to be a good mother. And so Mara said, well, what if she's a nice, easy girl and you can dress her up? Oh, <laughs> I love it. I was talking about the sweetness of having a girl. And my mom sort of delighted in this idea and said, okay, I'll call her Mara. Oh. <laughs> and Mara, um, was um so so just to kind of backtrack we follow uh Meher Baba who's a um more than a, a, for lack of a better term you could say spiritual Indian master but but more than that it's but that's yeah a, definitely more than that <laughs> yes much more than that but it's in a bite-sized way to say um but she said, you know, Bob had already passed, but Mara was still very in tune with him and communicated with him and would talk to his picture and was still um, in a constant union with him, so to speak. And so she said, OK, I'll go talk to Bob about it. And she and Mara said to my mom, it'll be Bob as Mara. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my mom was not even pregnant yet at this point. And um, a month later, she conceived me wow the really funny cool part of the story is before um before she was pregnant um a a friend of hers who was an amazing palm reader looked at her palm and said something about her having sons I think it was three sons Um, oh my (laughs) yeah but 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 basically she would just have boys and after my mom got pregnant the this friend of my mom's said let me see your palm again she looked at the palm and she said wow the little boy line has turned to a little girl what yeah it's not amazing oh my gosh that is <laughs> and then here you come so then here I came and then I you know I was very excited to meet Mara and I felt you know like I said Baba had already passed Baba passed in 1969 so I never met him but I felt very connected to both of them and I would dream of them as a little little girl I remember at five having a dream of Baba and Mara and it was so mystical and magical and it was so incredible and I remember saying to my mom I you know I really want to go to India I want to meet Mara and and my mom couldn't wait to take me and she would write to Mara and Mara would write to her when is Mara coming when are you coming and so finally in in 1988 we went Oh, you know, I, I, I love India. I love Bali. I love Indonesia. I love India. That is like on my to, to do list. And, and, and I don't like the word to do list really, <laughs> because it puts me in like, um, I don't know, a traditional work mode. So when I'm in creative zone, it's kind of like, this is on my to experience list. Um, and India is definitely one of them. And um, for the listeners who don't know, Mare Baba, um, spiritual Indian master guru, if you would like to put that there, but it's so much more. Um, there's a podcast on Apple 
Um, and I'll put that in 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 Mara's um Mara's uh podcast um description. But you can go there and you can and and check out. You know, if you feel led, or you can go on YouTube. It's up to you. Um, yeah, yeah. I can share a little bit more, maybe for somebody who's wondering. Yeah, I'm sure um, they're curious. <laughs> yeah. So so Meher Baba was born in 1894 in India, and his message is that we're all one. And that we are on a journey back to our true self, which is God, the divine. Um, if God is a, is a word that doesn't resonate, then one might imagine it as, the, as our highest self or the divine self. Or um, I don't want to say the universe because it's bigger than the universe. It's um, beyond that. So Most it's the, definitely. It's that the capital, it's a, it's a truth of the capital T. So this idea that we're on a journey back to wake up to who we truly are. And um, Baba explains about reincarnation. So I believe in reincarnation and that through millions and millions of lifetimes, it's not a quick thing. It's through millions of lifetimes, we actually um, go through all the things that we're not. So we become, and what I mean by that is we, we in each birth, we, we find out that we're limited. And so um, we keep, experiencing all these things in a quest the soul is in a quest to experience ourselves as the totality of ex- of existence the the totality of all things and so through many many expressions and many many lifetimes we eventually experience everything and exhaust everything and we wake up eventually to the knowledge that we are everything and we're beyond everything and it one and the same, we're nothing and we're everything. And and we experience ourselves as God. And I don't mean God sitting up in a cloud. I mean God is the right as the, the expression <laughs> of all, the the one universal self that is um you know, it's it's the 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 true knowledge of all, the true uh, bliss of all, the true um uh love, the 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 the, the um the divine ocean that's limitless with with no shores. So that's that's in a that's a little nutshell. Thank you for <laughs> and that. Baba, and Baba <laughs> uh, um, has said that he has taken this this journey and has um, is is an expression. He is the embodiment of that, and he says that Jesus was the embodiment of that. Buddha was the embodiment of that. Um, Muhammad. Zoroaster, Krishna, Ram, and it's all the, the same soul. And this is an interesting idea for people that it's this one soul, this one, what's called avatar, which is the divine incarnation of God. So it's this, the divine wrapped up in a human body that comes to give a spiritual push to humanity. And that in each age, the avatar comes down and gives a, a spiritual push. And at the time, it, they're often... Um, ignored or there's a very small following around them and it's in the future that people look back Mm. and idolize and and revere this incarnation Mm. that's 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 deep i mean i i knew it but to hear it come out again from you it's it's that's really really deep yeah it's profound right yeah very much so and people freak out well you know i did growing up when i saw a snake it's like ah 
<laughs> but um, it's kind of you. I mean, um, we shed skin every three days. Um, um, snakes shed their skin. Um, so when Mara's talking about reincarnation, um, I know my uncle in San Diego would freak out if we killed like a spider and was like, what's going on? I mean, it was little, I didn't know. And I killed a spider and I literally got a tongue lashing. And then my aunt, who's his wife, she's Mexican. Um, she starts going off in Spanish and she was like, you know better than to kill a spider in the house. And I was like, oh, I forgot. I literally, you know, these things happen and, and you then you remember them, right, as an adult. And I forgot, you know, what his spiritual beliefs were. And I apologized. <laughs> but I didn't know any better. Um and so thank you for sharing that part, because I believe that his love through you and, and God um, really, you can feel it. Um, you can feel it in the work. You can see it um, when you speak. There's just a light that glows around you. Um, and I'm not talking about a ring light or, <laughs> or some fancy makeup that you have on. It's, it's just you. Um, and you do literally make everyone want to go on vacation with you when you're out working. Um, yeah, so you're definitely doing your passion, which doesn't feel like work. But then there's that other corporate side where you're like, okay, I have to put this hat on today. And I saw you with... Um, Iris Apple, and to me, she's like a fashion goddess. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, what was it like being with her with your collection, and did you learn anything new from her? You know, it was really wonderful to be with her. I, um, we, we really connected in a really deep way. She has such an appreciation for art and for for the story and for. Um, you know, she's got a tremendous depth and we really connected. She was really interested to hear the story and um, she loved all the pieces. The, the wood necklace in the end is what she wound up pre-ordering because it's, it's lighter and um, she is 90, what, 90? <laughs> she's nine. Yeah, yeah, she 99. is. We, we have to get her secret. <laughs> yeah, so, so we, we chose the lightest bag for her, um, but you know, she, it was amazing. She's, she's really, truly a special soul. And I was really, really delighted to not only meet her, but to share my art with her. So that was really, and to have her appreciate it so deeply. So that was really um, special. Yeah, I would, I would, you know, we all, there's so, there's so many accolades that you've received. I mean, you're, you're everywhere and, and you're in, you're on red carpets. Um, you're in the hands of celebrities that people know. Some people don't even know that the people, the amount <laughs> of celebrities that, that hold your, your signature pieces or have pieces made for them. But to see you with Iris, it was like, wow, um, <laughs> appreciation meets appreciation. Yeah. Um, you know, it's um, the the arts, the soul of the art um, and the craft. And um, I don't know, there's not even a word really that can describe it. 
it's just something that you have to experience and understand um, and appreciate. But she is way up there. So and you can tell, too, because when you look at the picture, you're smiling and I see the seven year old girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um now, because of the pandemic, you pivoted a little bit, but it didn't, I don't see how it, well, I can't say that. I was going to say, I don't see how it affected you too much other than not being able to travel and really get back out there with your artisans and, and everybody and think on new things and even further collections. But um, you were able, I need the listeners to understand, Mehera has a, a collection, and I'll share that um, online and, and through the podcast, um, that someone saw, and it was a purse at first, it was a bag, and they asked her to transform it into lighting. Yeah. And it was her first time doing it. What was that like? Because when I saw the lights, I was like, can you do that again? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know people are asking me to do it again. They're, they're asking, um, they're asking for them <laughs> for the, for the Blue Mara home collection. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, for me, design is design. So <clears throat> I can, without sounding a certain way, I mean, I can design anything because it's all, it's all part and parcel, you know, it's all, it's all the same essence and so beyond needing to know the um the specs and and understanding you know lights and and whatnot the rest of it was very fluid and very um you know the same as I would do any other project I just had to understand the the construction and what was needed and once I understood that I was able to very effortlessly design the piece but then I had to find artisans and I had to find people that could do such a large piece because it's a different um, method of, of making it. And the, the whole process is different because of the scale. So it had its ups and downs as the whole, you know, everything I do has, because that's the nature of this journey that we're all taking. <laughs> um, yes. But it, in the end, you know, I was really pleased with it. Um, and I am looking forward to making more and to expanding, um, into doing more, you know, I, I have visions of doing full homes and boutique hotel and, you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. It's funny that you would say that because do you remember growing up when, well, I do like my mom and, and my, my aunts and, um, a couple of their friends would literally travel the whole United States looking for, um, rare, home pieces um and they would always say antiques (laughs) and my aunt was a seamstress in New Jersey and she made all of the she was Episcopalian and she made all of the priests like garments and the dressings to go over tape like it was it was bananas like I, just to see her create and they would literally go everywhere and then she had all of this material left over um and it was really intricate I mean like gold strings woven into you know how it looks right Sounds amazing. and so she, yeah so she had all this material left over and she 
my uncle had built a new home at the beach and she goes, you know what? She said, um, get, get the grandmother's chair and I'll put the fabric on the chair. Beautiful. And we were just like, whoa. And so, you know, my mind started racing because one Christmas she made every, my grandmother had a lot of kids and she made all of her nieces and nephews these beautiful, um, vests like um three like you know a vest that goes underneath a suit yeah and and when we took them out we were like oh this is you know we're so stupid as kids sometimes I think um or not stupid we're just we don't think I guess and so we took them out we're like oh this is really really nice and um we're like this is some interesting fabric you know (laughs) it's pretty pretty heavy um, and then we looked around and we realized that she used curtain material, but it was like flown in from like France. Wow. And yeah. She, and so she is. And so we, back then we, we were laughing and giggling because we didn't have the appreciation yeah. for, you know, that, that we do now, obviously, and everyone still has their best, Aww. but while you were, while you, yeah, while you were talking, I saw, um, and maybe it's because I have Nadine, um, or poppies, but I have, I saw like a sitting chair and with, with just in that whole, in that whole design and that whole fabric, I I literally saw that. And I'm like, should I ask her, does she have a chair in her house? Not yet, but I definitely (laughs) have visions of it. So you must be tapping into my, my vision. Cause I I definitely Mm. have, um, it's, it's on, it's in my, uh, yeah, because I see it. Yeah, I see it. And I'm like, okay, this, I'm not going to let the same thing happen to me that happened to me before. Like, if she says, I'm going to sell this, I'm not going to be outbid. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> I keep seeing it and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Um, so, with everything going on, and, and, and now everybody knows the backstory behind, um, and I don't even want to call it a brand, but for um, a lack of better words, now that everyone knows that, how does Mara take time for Mara? Because <laughs> you, you have teams over here, over there. You're totally sustainable um, in all of the things that you do. Um, I even created a little guide. I learned how to make a guidebook on Instagram. I'm so proud of myself <laughs> um, to put some of your items so on cool. there. And yeah, you're on our website as well. Um, uh, blooming uh, with Blumera with International Women's Day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, with March coming up. I just want to know, how do you practice self care? Like, do you even have time? Yeah, I do. Because I, it's really, I think, you know, it's, it's really important. I, I am not afraid to take a day and I, to not get out of bed. I, I feel like that is, for me, you know, everybody's got their own way, but for me, I've always been like that. I'll need, you know, at least a day a month or even two days a month or something like that. Not that I'm like quantifying it, but where I don't do anything. And I try to honor that if my body and my mind and my emotional state is saying to me, we don't want to do anything, retired, stay in bed. I really try to honor that because I actually see that as productivity. And the reason why is, um, I need those completely off moments and off that, you know, that real downtime in order to be, um, to be able to, to, to be on. 
And so I feel like it's a really important um, precursor to creativity and to being present is to really honor the cycles that we go through. Um, And then in daily life, when I am on or I am doing things, I do try to take time to go outside, put my feet in the grass. Uh, The weather really does affect me. I do much better in sunshine. So, you know, I'm lucky to be in LA where it's very sunny often. You know, I really connect with the sun and the earth and um, it sounds trite maybe, but I really try to connect back and, and with the elements, it's really, um, really, really important to me. Maybe I do a little meditation, maybe a little stretching. I have a little rebounder that I jump on outside sometimes, or I try to actually do daily. So those are the ways that I uh, take care of myself. I really like to take baths. I like to read. I listen to certain things that are calming. So I really go into, if I find that there's something that's calming for me, I really go into that and, and really, um, make that a part of our part of the day because, and I journal, you know, if I'm going through anxiety or stress or, you know, an emotional thing, I'll try to journal my way through. Um, I really feel like it's important to give flow to the emotions and anxiety. And, and, and then again, I think the earth, I can't speak highly, you know, enough about it. Like really putting my feet in the earth really is, is quite grounding and quite therapeutic. It's extremely grounding. And the reason that it's so grounding, um, I think, is because um, I had a guest um, on and and she'll be on this month as well. And she's actually a Reiki practitioner. And we talked about the chakras and things like that. But what we didn't touch on is that the reason that um, the earth is, is so grounding besides people coming from earth or wherever they, they say that they come from is that um, on the bottom of our feet, there are chakras that go like, I think, I can't remember if it's 12 inches or, or, or I don't want to mess that up, but it's, it's, it goes below our feet um, that connects us back to the earth, to the source. And that's partly why um, standing barefoot on the grass, if, if, it's, if you can be barefoot, um, is very grounding, um, the holistic part of it all, and the oneness with nature. Yes, exactly. That we are. Um, I think that I'm a tree hugger. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm a tree yeah. hugger. Yeah, I'm a tree hugger. And I, you know, I don't like, I won't say I don't like, I will say I prefer if I have to do, which I know I'm, I'm lacking on a, a thing that I promised you. But if I have to do a, a photo shoot, it's out. I prefer to be outside. Um, I don't know why, but it just seems that it turns out better for me that way. Um but I, I thank you for that because you, if someone were to look at you and not know this backstory, they would go, gosh, she works all of the time. She must be burnt out. Um, but as you guys have heard, there's, she's not burnt out. And when she feels that, then she goes inward and she does what she needs to do. Yeah. And, um, if you want to know more about her, um, all you have to do is go to her website, um, which I will post in the podcast description, and also get our social media team up um, this International Women's Day. Um, I can't believe I have I can't believe I have Mara on for International Women's Day, but yes, um, to see more about her because she is 
empowering women and men, um, but she's definitely empowering women. And I, I believe that you're doing it in a way that's organic and you're able to produce something for create, I don't want to use the word produce, create something for someone that empowers her to embrace the creative being that she is as a woman, but also to embrace that it's okay to be different. Mm. As a matter of fact, it's beauty. There's so much beauty in difference. Yeah. And you bring that whole divert, like everyone's like diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I get it. Um, I consult in it, but you actually incorporate it and you always incorporate it into your business and into women. And I want to thank you for that, well, um, for you. putting your heart and soul into everything and for taking the time today. Um, and when you're jumping around on your romper outside, please think of me because I, I can't, I'm not um, the, I, I have to be around sun and water. So yes, uh, yes, yeah, yes. I do. I do. And I hope to meet you, Mara, me whether too. it's Miami or Basel, Myrtle Beach, LA, I don't care. Yeah. Um, whenever we get out of whatever all this stuff yes. is. Um, and I don't know, who knows, I might be somewhere in Bali and just walk down the, the road and go, Oh my gosh, there hey, she it is. <laughs> it could happen. So thank you thank so much you. for taking your yeah. time with us at Beyond the Easy. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you put out next. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a joy to talk to you. And I'm, it's, um, it's, it was very beautiful. And I'm, I'm very honored to be your guest today. Oh, thank you. And happy International Women's Day, Women's History Month. And uh, we will see what you have next. I can't wait. I keep seeing that chair. So I think it's time to hop off. <laughs> I'll be calling you or emailing you, Mara. Can we please get that chair? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I really can. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, Jay Baba. Yes, you too. Thank you. <laughs> You're